Are there certain things in your life that have become second nature? Habits that you have just gotten used to? Welcome to Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page 27 Duff Chavzayin of Moed Cotton. And we learn that the trick to breaking free from bad habits is to think back to the moment that they first began. And it was a little uncomfortable to engage in them. They're not your first nature, it's your second nature, and second nature can be broken. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. Rabbi Elazar ben Dudaya was a licentious individual who allowed his heart to dictate his actions. Once he heard that there was a certain house of sin in a faraway land, he took a purse full of dinars and set off on his journey, crossing seven rivers to reach the object of his desire. In the midst of the improper behavior, his partner in sin declared, Just as the wind has passed and will not return to its place, so too Elazabeth Durdaya will never be accepted in repentance. Upon hearing this criticism, he was filled with gloom and despair. Off he went and sat between two mountains and declared, Mountains and hills, pray for mercy on my behalf, so that my repentance will be accepted. They responded, Before we pray for mercy on your behalf, we must pray for mercy on our own behalf, as it is stated, for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. So he then declared, Heaven and earth, pray for mercy on my behalf. But they too responded, Before we pray for mercy on your behalf, we must pray for mercy on our own behalf, as it is stated, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax old like a garment. He then declared, Sun and moon, pray for mercy on my behalf. But they too answered, Before we pray for mercy on your behalf, we must pray for mercy on our own behalf, as it is stated, then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed. He then declared, Stars and constellations, pray for mercy on my behalf. They too replied, Before we pray for mercy on your behalf, we must pray for mercy on our own behalf, as it is stated, and all the hosts of heaven shall fade away. Elazabeth Durdai concluded, Clearly the matter depends on none other than myself. He placed his head between his knees and cried loudly until his soul left his body. A divine voice emerged and said, Rabbi Lazar ben Durdaya is destined for life in the world to come. When Rebbe heard this story, he wept and said, There is one who acquires his share in the world to come only after many years of toil. And then there is one who acquires his share in the world to come in a mere moment. Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Gemara, weep sore for him that goes away, for he shall return no more, nor, nor see his native land. Rav Huna said this refers to one who committed a transgression and then repeated it. Rav Huna maintains his general position, for Rav Huna said, once a person commits a sin and repeats it, it becomes permissible to him. Do you really mean that it becomes permissible? Rather say, it becomes as if it were permissible. Let's analyze the Gemara. Whether you've been brought up leading a life of Taramitsus or you took it upon yourself some time ago, you know what Rav Huna means. Initially, it's not so easy to commit a sin. The first time an individual acts contrary to Allah, it doesn't feel right. You feel very uncomfortable transgressing the will of God. The second time, it's also not so easy, but it's a little less discomforting. By the third time, you've already gotten used to the sin and it no longer feels so wrong. That's the way the Yetzirah works. He's very good at convincing us that what we're doing is really not so bad at all. A person can't act in contradiction to his own conscience. This quandary is called cognitive dissonance. 
And so little by little, the Yetzirah reconfigures the sinner's internal moral compass so that you're able to justify your behavior and live with yourself without the constant haranguing of your conscience. This concept has taken on a life of its own and is often called Rav Hunas Heter, with some extending the idea and suggesting that by the fourth time he sins, not only is it no longer a sin, it becomes a mitzvah. The Yetzirah is so good at reconciling our conscience with our behavior that he can find ways to justify almost anything. Our sages teach that even a thief says a prayer prior to a burglary. After all, God has a duty to provide him with adequate parnasa, livelihood, doesn't he? The Shem Mishmul asks how the Gemara could even suggest that sin would become permissible. Hey, it's obvious to anyone learning the Gemara that transgressing Hashem's will is never actually acceptable. He explains the word heter, meaning permitted, also means untied. Naturally, we are bound to our Father in Heaven. However, upon sinning, one unties the rope that connects him with the above, and he begins, God forbid, to develop a bond with the other side. Nevertheless, in a beautiful teaching exonerating those who have habituated themselves to acting improperly, the Divrei Yoel suggests that Rav Huna's declaration is not intended to sound satirical. He means it literally when he contends that the sin becomes permissible. How could that be? When one sins habitually, explains the Divri Yoel, just as the disturbance to one's conscience gradually diminishes, so too the punishment for sin is likewise diminished. Since, after a while, the individual didn't really choose freely to sin, he just acted out of habit, the Almighty doesn't judge him as harshly. So, in a sense, the sin has become permissible. We all have bad habits. For some, these may be actual halachic indiscretions, God forbid. But for others, it might be grayer areas such as smoking, excessive eating, chronic tardiness, or eternal procrastination. If you can think back to when those less-than-perfect behaviors began, you'll probably recall being quite bothered by your actions. But with the passage of time, it's human nature to start justifying bad habits to yourself. The key to self-improvement is to conjure up those old memories and reflect upon how you felt when you first began your habits. It's not easy to break free of the snare of the Yetzirah, but with sufficient introspection and self-reflection, you will get there. Here's the good news. If sin can become natural after doing it a few times, then mitzvahs can most certainly start feeling more natural after getting used to them. The first time you perform a particular mitzvah, it might feel like a burden. It's uncomfortable, unnatural, and requires an inordinate amount of effort. But by the second time, the discomfort begins to ease up a little. And by the third and fourth times, the activity becomes second nature. We are creatures of habit. It's not easy to change your nature for better or worse. May you always seek the discomfort of unnatural mitzvah performance until one by one they become second nature to you. Wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. 
Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.